0: Well, uh, as we prepare to worship today uh, through the Word, I want to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 8. While you're turning there, let me remind you that this Friday uh, we have trunk or treat. Now, it's going to be a little bit different than what we've normally done, but it's still going to be a walkthrough with social distancing and that kind of thing. Uh, We have trunks that are going to be lined up, decorated, and and Edie and I are going to be decorated, and our trunk is going to be decorated, uh, and the children are going to walk through, and at different stations, not from my trunk or your trunk, but at different stations, they're going to receive candy, and it's going to be a great, great time. I want to encourage you to bring your children, invite your neighbors and friends to come to this safe setting, but it's going to be a great time. Uh, this Friday from 6 to 7.30, Trunk or Treat. If you need more information about that, uh, you can go to our First Norfolk uh, website, firstnorfolk.org children. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see Trunk or Treat, uh, and you'll get more information about that. If you haven't signed up to do a trunk, To be one of the cars in line, decorated, and you want to do that, you can. There's a place where it says "click here," and you can click there, and you can sign up and be one of the trunks for trunk or treat. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great, great celebration for us, uh, and and it feels a little bit normal, and that's a good thing. We need a little bit more normal. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all watch football. I do. Uh, I I enjoy football. It seems like my football teams are not having, well, they're having a regular year, which means not great. Uh, University of Tennessee Volunteers got whooped by Alabama yesterday, uh, which was not as painful as when they got whooped by Kentucky the week before. Uh, But Tennessee is struggling a little bit. But next year is their year. We've been saying that for every year since 1998. Uh, But next year's our year, Uh, University of Tennessee Volunteers. And The Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Today they get to play the uh, Washington football team. We're going to see who is the worst in the NFC East today, right? That's what we're going to see. Usually I brag a little bit. I have some prognostication Cowboys are going to win. I am saying nothing today, right? But uh, the Dallas Cowboys get to play the Washington football team. It's going to be a great day of watching football. But there have been those games that I've watched over time, and some uh, really uh, just uh, stick with me. I don't know if you all remember the Music City uh, 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 Miracle, Uh, the Tennessee Titans. I think that might have been the Nashville Titans at the time. uh, They had this grand rugby-type end-of-the-game kind of winning touchdown, and everybody thought the game was over, but that, that was fun. Uh, Tennessee uh, has come back against Georgia. They didn't this year. (laughs) They didn't this year. They didn't even come close. But there have been those times when uh, Tennessee came back against Georgia. Uh, 2006, uh, I think it was 2006, they beat Alabama. That was a great day. Aaron Foster was the running back. Anyway, uh, reminiscing, in 1993, January of 1993, the AFC uh, NFL uh, pro football, the AFC wild card playoff game uh, was happening between the Houston Oilers, who then became the Tennessee Titans, but the Houston Oilers and the Buffalo Bills. Jim Kelly was the star quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, and yet uh, he wasn't playing on that day. He had gotten hurt the game before, uh, the last game of regular season, he got hurt, so he wasn't playing. In this AFC Wild Card matchup, uh, now these two teams were uh, for the last the two previous seasons. These two teams were at the top of the AFC. Uh, the Buffalo Bills came in first in the previous two seasons, and the Houston Oilers came in second the previous two seasons. So here they are meeting again for this AFC Wild Card matchup. But the Buffalo Bills. Didn't have much hope because their quarterback was a guy named Frank Reich. Now Frank Reich was a good utility quarterback. He was a a, he played at Maryland, played for the Maryland Terrapins, 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 and uh, he was a good utility player. Had done some good things in his quarterback career in college, but not much in, in NFL. He was a good backup quarterback, but they needed someone to step in and lead them against this powerhouse in the AFC and. Most of the people who were watching the game didn't really think that Frank Reich had the stuff uh, to win against the Houston Oilers. And the first two quarters proved them right. The first quarter, Houston dominated the second quarter, Houston dominated. By the end of the first half, uh, Houston was ahead, 28 to 3, or 27 to3, something like that. 28 to three. And so at the end of the first half, everybody's thinking the game was over but not so fast. They come out in the second half and at the beginning of the second half more of the same. Houston drives down the field scores another touchdown so it's 35 to three and no one held out hope that Buffalo was going to come back and win. But then something happened. Frank Reich and the team began to click on all cylinders. Frank Reich got that uh, that mojo that he was known to have as a quarterback at Maryland, and he began to lead the Buffalo Bills down the field. They scored a touchdown, and people began to think, well, it's 38-10, way out of, uh, out of reach. And then he, he led the team back down the field again, and, and, and now it was 38-17. And they thought, oh my goodness, What's happening? And the defense held Houston one more time, and, and Frank Reich led them into the fourth quarter down the field. Uh, and they scored again and again, so much so that it was a tie ball game by the end of the fourth quarter. They went into overtime, and Frank Reich led the Buffalo Bills to the greatest comeback in NFL history. It's called the comeback we're in a time and season as a culture and as a church where we're looking for that kind of comeback it seems like we're just a little bit crippled our starting quarterback seems to be on the sideline we're just not sure that we have the stuff we're living in a season and a time where everything seems out of sorts and i've got to tell you i look around this room today and i'm thankful for how many have gathered here uh, our online crew can't see it, but I, I'm thankful for how many have gathered here. But it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because in March, we had 2,000 more people who gathered with us each weekend than what we have on the regular right now. 2,000 people, and that's more people than that if you uh, remember that not everybody comes each week. It, it, just thousands of First Norfolk, our family that I haven't seen in eight months, that you haven't seen in eight months. Maybe you see them on Zoom, but they're not here. And it, and it breaks my heart. I know that we have an election coming up, and I know that many of you are thinking, preacher, what are you going to say something about the election? Well, get out and vote. That's about as much as I'm going to say. And the reason is not because I don't care about the election. The, thing, the reason is because I've got something heavier on my heart, far more important than an election, This body of believers, this family of faith that is so important to me and to us, it seems like we're in the fourth quarter and we're way behind. What does tomorrow hold for us? I don't know if you watched the debate this past week. I didn't watch it, but I did get some highlights. And one of the questions that was asked, uh, the moderator was saying, the experts tell us, now who's an expert in this pandemic? I have no idea. But the experts tell us that we'll be maintaining six feet of social distance and we'll be wearing masks until the end of 2021 at the earliest. Did you hear that? And didn't that just make you shiver and shake a little bit? Didn't that just cause you to kind of pause a little bit? I'm thinking, my goodness, we've been through so much. And and look, wearing a mask and keeping six feet of distance is not that big a deal, but it seems like a big deal because I'm going through it. And our church is going through it. I saw some people last uh, yesterday that I haven't seen in eight months, part of our family. And I was so excited to see them. And believe it or not, they were excited to see me too. And we talked and we had a great time and it was, it was one of those moments. And I'm so thankful for those moments, but we have so few of them these days. And you look around the room and and you think that there are double and triple and quadruple the number of people meeting online than there are who gather with us each week. And you think, is this sustainable? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, this is inside my head, right? Edie asked me the other day, or she said even last night, she said, you seem a little bit tense. Tense. And part of it is this, it hurts my heart. It worries me for the health of our family. It worries me for the mission of the church. We are living in a new normal. This is a new normal in the the foreseeable immediate future. This is our new normal. But the mission remains the same. The mandate from heaven itself, from the throne room of God for this church has not stopped. It remains the same. We are to make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that He's taught us. And He promises to be with us every single day until the end of time. As the Father sent Jesus, He's sending us with the good news of his rescuing love to a people dwelling in darkness, lost in this world. He has given us his Holy Spirit to empower and equip us so that we might be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The mission remains the same. Behind our masks and with six feet between us, we are still the church that God has raised up for such a time as this to help the seven cities of Hampton Roads and all of its occupants to discover the glorious, wondrous name of Jesus. But we are scattered as a church, we're scattered. We're scattered in and around our communities. We're scattered right now as you're watching and participating in worship and opening God's Word together online. you're, You're there and we're here and we're scattered. And it's not just us. Talk to any pastor around the nation and and you'll discover by and large, especially churches of our size, they're experiencing the same thing. We're living in a new normal, but the mission remains the same. The good news in this time and season is that this is not the first time that the church has been scattered. And this is not the first time that the church has found itself scattered uh, around and no longer in their central location. They've they've been dispersed uh, around uh, the communities of the world. Unable to gather back together in the place where they called home. They're scattered. The first such instance that we have is of this scattering is found in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the Scripture teaches us about the scattered church. And it informs us about our church when we're scattered. Acts chapter 8, now Saul was consenting to his death. In order to get a background of what that phrase means, Saul uh, We read about him later. He becomes Paul. Acts chapter 9, he meets Jesus and everything changes for him. But up to this point, he has been a religious leader for the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 6, the church had grown so fast in Jerusalem and and had grown so diverse in Jerusalem that the church was in the midst of tens of thousands of people coming to faith in Christ in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. uh, The church of Jerusalem was experiencing conflict. So in Acts chapter 6, the church gathers together and God leads the apostles to lead the church to, uh, uh, to appoint six deacons. And these are the deacons that God established, men who are chosen by God to lead to harmony in the church. But, but just like deacons we have in this church, they weren't content just to stand and smile at the people as they enter the building. These are people whom God had equipped and sent on mission to share the good news of his rescuing love to people around the world. And there's a guy, one of the deacons, his name was Stephen. And Stephen, filled by the Holy Spirit, stood up in the public square in Jerusalem and began to preach a scathing message to those who were in in attendance, specifically toward the religious leaders of the Jewish persuasion that had led Jesus to his death and had set their uh, face like flint against the good news of God's rescuing love found in the person of Christ. And at the end of that sermon in Acts chapter 7, uh, the the hearers, especially those that he had called out, were so incensed and so upset that they accused Stephen of blaspheming against God and they took big boulders and they dropped them on Stephen's head and they killed him. Saul was in attendance holding coats of those who stoned Stephen and he consented to Stephen's death. All right? So that's the first part of verse 1. It goes on. uh, As that time, uh, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all, what's the word? They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The, The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And devout men carried Stephen to uh, be buried and, and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, house by house, and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were, what's the word? Therefore, those who were scattered went Everywhere preaching the word. Now, I want you to see how out of tune verse 4 is with the rest of the passage. It's out of tune. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Stephen is dead. Saul is consenting. The people are scattered. Saul is making havoc of the church. Um, And yet, verse 4 is positive. And those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the good news. They went everywhere talking about the wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Everywhere they went, they were singing that song and helping people who are far from God find life through faith in Christ. They were scattered. And here's the lesson. The scattered church fulfills God's mission. The scattered church fulfills God's mission. They were scattered. Guess what? We're scattered. One theologian described verse 4 in this way. He said that the, the dispersion of the Christians out of Jerusalem into the world was perhaps the greatest movement in the history of the church and it's all because they were scattered through persecution you and I are living today in a pandemic and we are scattered and and are so many of you in your homes right now and and you're stuck there and you want to be with your family and we want to be with you but you're stuck and we're stuck and we're scattered it's our new normal but Could it be that God is using not persecution, but a pandemic to lead First Norfolk to the greatest movement we have ever experienced? Could it not be, and I believe it is, that God is using this scattering to transform our church and transform the seven cities of Hampton Roads. If you look at the first church, they were in Jerusalem. Tens of thousands come to faith in Christ. They were gathering together. And you look in the summary statements of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 and Acts chapter 4 verses 23 through 31, you see that the church was gathered and they were glad in their gathering and they were excited to worship together. Uh, they, They had experienced... Uh, forms of persecution. They were warned not to speak on Jesus. And then they were beaten because they were speaking on Jesus. And now Stephen is killed because he's preaching about Jesus. And now the church is scattered. But friends, God is using the scattering of the first century church to take the good news of His rescuing love to people who had not heard it before. God used the scattering of persecution to change the very landscape of the church. So much so that even the Apostle Paul, who once was a persecutor, became an apostle. The Apostle Paul, who once uh, played havoc with the church, now was its uh, leading cheerleader. And he went throughout all Asia Minor and throughout Spain. And some would say that, that, that even after he left Rome, he, he, he made his way to the ends of the earth with the good news of God's rescuing love. This Paul led missionary teams to establish churches all because in Jerusalem there was a scattering that propelled the church on mission to all the corners of the known world. In Acts chapter 17 verse 6, we see that Paul and his team are in the city of Thessalonica and they have been preaching faithfully up to that point and communities have been changed and transformed and churches have been established in those communities. And people were listening to Paul as as he and his team were sharing Jesus in the public square. But there were some that were upset. And they arrest Paul and they bring him before the and his team and they bring them before the the leaders and the magistrates, the rulers of that uh, city of Thessalonica. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, here's what they accuse Paul and the team of. He said, the, the, the ringleader of the opposition said, Here these people are who have turned the world upside down and now they've come to us. Did you get that? They were turning the world upside down. Could it not be that God is using a pandemic in the 21st century to scatter our church and turn Hampton Roads upside down? I don't know about you, but I'm like the apostles. I, I like Jerusalem. I like, I like gathering in a comfortable place and comfortable time and comfortable seasons with my family of faith. There's nothing wrong with that unless it impedes the mission. We're living in a new normal, but the mission remains the same, and if we are content just to keep things the way they are, we will let the mission limp along. So we're going to learn from the first century church, we're going to learn from the book of Acts, and we're going to… we're going to begin doing something different. As a church, Again, uh, this has been something that has been burdening my heart since March, more so in May than in August. I thought it would ease off in September and October, but it hasn't, and here I am. And God has burdened my heart for the mission that He's given our church. See, we do believe that our church is beautiful as we glorify God, and we glorify God as we fulfill the mission He's given us. I don't want the beauty to be lacking in us because, well, people just aren't showing up anymore. Well, People aren't showing up anywhere anymore. The mission remains the same. So what do we do? We're a scattered church. And so let's lean in to the scattering. Let's lead in, as the first century church did, to the the dispersion. And those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the good news. They went everywhere establishing churches. And that's what happens. Those who are scattered establish church in their community. That, that, that's what. Uh, the first century church did it. Everywhere they went, they established churches. They, they, they would go into their community. They would go to the homes of their family members in uh, Corinth or in Ephesus or up in Nazareth, and they would establish a church there. And they would, they would lead their family members to faith in Christ. They would lead the neighbors to faith in Christ, and they would gather in that home or in that, that uh, pavilion, wherever they could, and they would have church, and they would be the church in that location. Scattered people establish church in their community. We have a bunch of people who are scattered right now all around the seven cities of Hampton Roads. Some of you are in Suffolk and some of you are in Portsmouth, some of you are in Norfolk, some of you are in Virginia Beach, some of you are in Chesapeake. You're scattered. Could it not be that God has... Called you to establish church in your community where you are. I believe that's what we've got to start thinking about and start pursuing. Oh, we're thrilled, I'm thrilled to have a couple of hundred people in this room today, but I'm burdened for the thousands of our church family who aren't here and the hundreds of thousands in our communities that don't know Jesus. And we can't just sit here in our Jerusalem and say, everything's fine. We're scattered. And so as a scattered church, we're going to establish church in our community. Wherever you are, we're praying that God would raise up lay leaders to pastor First Norfolk in that scattered location where you will meet there each week with a group of 10 to 50 people. And you will worship the Lord there, and you will hear the preaching of the Word there, and you will sing songs of praise there. And it may be in a backyard, or it may be in a a, a cul-de-sac. It may be uh, in a home. It may be in a clubhouse. It it may be in a business. It it, it may be under a tent uh, in in a... in an open field. I I don't know where these locations are, but I know, I do know that God is paving a way just as he did in the first century church. And he's raising up leaders from our family of faith to step out and step up and be on mission. And we will join you and we will equip leaders to be with you. And we will see the church advance and the mission grow. Now, what does that mean? It means that we're going to train some people to be pastors in locations, maybe where you live, in your backyard, under a tent, in your den, in your uh, clubhouse for your neighborhood association. And we're going, to, we're going to establish a church there. And it's going to be First Norfolk at that location. And we're going to equip pastors to pastor those people. And we're going to have staff to support those pastors Oh, we're going to have a core team who are going to be the, the, the hands and feet of Jesus to welcome people and to do life together. We're going to have communion in those locations. We're truly going to be just people navigating life's journey together with Jesus in those locations. And we'll still meet here every week but those of you who are leading those locations, you're not meeting here every week. You're meeting there. That's First Norfolk in that location. I was talking to a sweet lady yesterday after a funeral, and she came up and she said, Pastor, do you all have church? Is your church open? And I said, yeah, we're, we're open. We meet at 9 and 11. And uh, she said, "She said, well, I'm just, uh, you know, my, my health is not great, and, and I'm, I'm susceptible to uh, to the COVID thing, and, and I'm one of the, the vulnerable, and I just don't feel comfortable coming to the building, and, 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 and I want to be there. I think, I think that it's going to make a difference in my life, and, and I want to be there, but I, I, I just, I, I, I can't be there. I had another conversation same day with another person asking about church. Are y'all open? I want to be there, Is this not an opportunity for us to gather in a smaller group of uh, people where there's less fear of this room and greater community in that smaller group? Could this not be something that grows the health of First Norfolk in ways that we have never seen? Raising up leaders who pastor a people instead of just relying on one or two or ten Could it not be something that God is establishing that will make all the difference in the seven cities of Hampton Roads? We're a scattered church, and we are going to lean into that. And we're going to go throughout our communities, and we're going to ask you to be in prayer. Is this something God is leading you to do or be a part of? A scattered church called First Norfolk because those who are scattered established church in their community, and those who are scattered share the good news in their community. It's not enough for us just to get together at a different location and enjoy the warmth and fellowship of our community, but it's an opportunity for you to invite people that won't come to this room. And one thing we do know, even at the height of our attendance, there were hundreds of thousands of people who weren't with us, who didn't come when we invited them, who didn't stick even when they came. And we have an opportunity to set our focus on a particular community to tell the good news of God's rescuing love, to invite them, hey, I'm having church in my backyard. thought you might want to come. You'd be surprised how many people will come to your backyard just to see what you're doing with a church. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually preaching this weekend. Do you mind coming and listening to me preach? I'd love for you to be there. Hey, I'm leading worship this weekend. I, I, I'd love for you to join me and, and, and just be a part. It would be a great help to me to have a friendly face as I lead worship. Hey, my friends, they've started a church under the, under the pavilion at, at the park, and, and, and I wanted to know if you would just want to be there with us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. Will you join us? And each one of those invitations opens the opportunity for us to talk about the powerful name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. First Norfolk, we are scattered. But that scattering gives God an opportunity to do even greater mighty things. So I'm opening the door i'm opening the door this morning for you to join us on this mission you might say well what about what about here what about this place i'm going to be here every week We're going to have church just like we have church at Kempsville Road every single week. It's going to be wonderful. In fact, we believe that this is a great opportunity. This season is a great opportunity uh, for us to do some renovating and and, and to reform some of the building structures that we have to be more effective in reaching our children and our preschool and our students and our adults. And in the weeks ahead, you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot about this idea of, uh, of, of Uh, renovation and and construction and that kind of thing. And and, and we believe that God has led us to this time. So we're not giving up on this uh, location at the crossroads of Hampton Roads. But friends, oh, what an opportunity for our church not to hoard the gospel in Jerusalem, but to take it to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's kind of like this. I, I played soccer when I was uh, in elementary school, in high school, uh, middle school. I, I loved soccer. It, it was new to me. We moved to Texas when I was uh, in the third or fourth grade, and and my next-door neighbor played soccer. I, I didn't know anything about soccer. We didn't play that in Kentucky and Tennessee. We didn't even know what that was. And But I enjoyed it. I began to play, and I enjoyed the game, and and began, some, you know, okay, I was an okay player, but uh, I, I loved to dribble the ball. You know, I was, I was what they call a ball hog, um, and, and I loved to do that. And finally, my coach uh, jerked me aside one day, and he said, Eric, he said, what you don't understand is if you keep the ball, no matter how fast and skilled you are with it, you can never go as fast as what happens when you pass the ball to someone else. If you want to advance the ball down the field, you have to pass it. In the same way, we're gathered here today and we can dribble the ball all by ourselves at this location and do all that we want to do at this location. It's going to be great, it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be marvelous. But if we're going to advance the gospel, especially in these days of pandemic, we need to pass the ball forward. We we can't just do this at this location. There are hundreds of thousands of people who need the good news of Jesus Christ, and many of them are your next-door neighbors. It's time for First Norfolk to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for us to be mobilized and establish churches in our community and share the good news in our community. So what do we do from this point forward? What are you going to hear about? Well, you're going to hear about training opportunities. We're g- it's my job. It's, it's our staff's job uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's our job. And you're going to hear about equipping time uh, for those who feel called to ministry in this way. And so you're going to hear more about that, but before we get there, I want you to pray a prayer. And it's a a wide-open prayer, and it's a courageous prayer, but today I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Oh, God, how... Do you desire to use the talents and the gifting that you've given me to advance the gospel and to make First Norfolk, my family, healthy? Lord, how do you desire, not how do I desire, God, how do you desire to use the gifts and the talents that you've given me through First Norfolk? To glorify you and to advance your mission. The second thing I want to encourage you is when God says, you're it, you raise your hand and say, wherever you lead me, I'll go. See, some of you are here right now and you sense already that God is calling you to be a participant in scattered church you don't know the location you're not sure if it's by the way I I know some of y'all have big backyards and I've got my eye on you but some of you already sense this is something that God is calling you to do the question is will you say yes today if you're that person and you sense that God is calling you to be part of this. If you're watching with us online and participating in worship with us online, and you know that this is something God is leading you and your family and friends to be a part of, here's what I want you to do I want you to email me, pastor at firstnorfolk.org, and say, Pastor, I'm in. What's next? See, guys, this isn't just some come fly by the night kind of thing. Dick Baker and I were talking after a, the 9 o'clock service. He said, Eric, I looked at my Bible in 2008, you began this. 2008, you preached this passage and you said, This is the mission that we're going to be on. It's taken a pandemic for us to really kick it off, but that's what we're going to do. God's leading us to be scattered. Now, I don't know what God's going to lead you to do. Some He's going to keep here, and that's great. That's, that's what we celebrate. He's going to keep me here. But some He's going to use, even who have gathered here today, He's going to use you in Suffolk or in Great Bridge or in Greenbrier, down on the boardwalk, Virginia Beach, maybe even the Sand Bridge, over into Portsmouth. Downtown Norfolk, God's calling, and it's time for this church. The church has been gifted so much. This church, a church that has so, such great potential. This church, this church whose history is so beautiful and glorious for God's fame. This church to rise up today. and advance the mission that God has given us. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Right now, will you pray this prayer? Oh, God, how do you desire to use the gifts and talents you've given me to advance your mission and bring health to this family of faith called First Norfolk? As you pray that prayer, will you say, God, do you desire for me to be part of this scattered church? And if he says yes, will you say yes? Oh, God, in these moments as we respond to you, to your word, and as your spirit does his refining work on our heart, may we be a people who obey you in this moment. As we sing our song of worship to you, may you be glorified not just from the words that we sing, but from a heart of obedience with which we sing it. Nourish our soul with your presence. Encourage our hearts in our worship. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.